welcome back to the Black Biohacker. Our guest today is Evan McDermott, teacher, free thinker, conscious explorer, and the host of the Fifth Dimension podcast. Welcome, Evan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Um, so, you guys, I found Evan uh, off of his uh, podcast, the Fifth Dimension podcast, and it is spectacular. You guys have to listen to it. Um, we'll talk more about it in a few, but um, I want to dive right into this. So today we're going to talk about consciousness and mysticism. Um, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, Evan knows a lot about it. He talks about it as well. Um, Evan, tell us tell us about your journey to self-discovering consciousness and mysticism. Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for the kind words about the podcast. And, yes, you know, I yes. do... I've uh, spent a lot of time on, you know, consciousness and self-discovering sort of in my own life. I mean, I am a teacher. I work in education, so it's not, um, I, you know, I find ways to try and integrate it into my career field, but it's more of a, you know, passion of, passion of mine in a sense with self-discovery. And I would say that I haven't always been super into self-awareness in a sense. It really was something that came up probably three or four years ago, I would say I've always been sort of intrigued by spirituality. I guess you could say I've always been sort of agnostic. Okay. Um, but I wasn't really, um, in the sense of like consciousness, I think it all boils down to, you know, self-awareness. And that wasn't something that I necessarily, uh, learned about in my own life until, you know, I was in college and I needed a, a summer credit actually going into my senior year. Uh, to finish my education degree and it could be any any class that I wanted and there was this class I was going to Costa Rica and it was an intro to counseling class and what was interesting is I kind of viewed it as like you know maybe I could sort of learn about socio-emotional um, understanding of like students and sort of how to better counsel students that's sort of what I expected to get out of it but the class actually just kind of like turned my world upside down and like kind of, you know, it, it like completely changed my life because it was all about self-awareness and essentially to help others empathetically, we sort of have to learn how to help ourselves. So, you know, self-discovery and consciousness, when you're really studying those things, I feel like you're really just studying self-awareness and really learning about yourself and, you know, how can I essentially what it boils down to for me at this point um, in regards to self-discovery and consciousness and even, you know, mysticism and spirituality, it's how can I go into each day being the best version of myself? Mm. And, you know, as long as I do that, you know, I can't necessarily, what happens to me, you can't control what happens to me during the day per se. There's going to be situations, scenarios that, you know, they might stress me out a bit, but as long as I can go to bed at the end of the day and say, you know, I did my best. I was the best version of myself today. Then I can be happy. And, you know, just sort of working off of that and working to, you know, achieve long-term goals. That's sort of what I think self-awareness is all about for me right now and sort of what I've discovered on this journey. That's what yeah. I would say. I've listened, to you, I've listened to some of what you've talked about before when it comes on this topic, but mm -hmm. I want to know more about your first mystical experience. Okay. Yeah. And so I would say my first mystical experience, you know, going back to that Costa Rica trip that I mentioned, it was sort of all about, you know, self-awareness. And this 
there was a mystical experience in a sense that uh, I got this acupuncture and Reiki done, uh, energy healing. And I kind of went into it a little bit skeptical. I didn't necessarily know about uh, energy per se. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't necessarily had any sort of divine mystical experiences is what I would say. But um, I didn't necessarily know what was going to happen. But I went to this acupuncture session. And the healer worked with the energy in my body. And when I left that acupuncture session, there was this just pure bliss and calmness Mm. that I felt. And it was just, it's, I even get like goosebumps talking about it now because it was, it was like anything I had like ever felt. If I felt like, you know, if I had died right there, I would have been, it would have been the greatest moment of my life. And But now that I've gotten more into meditation, I've gotten into spirituality, and I've had psychedelic experiences, I've come to realize what I was feeling was when, you know, it's very similar to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, but he talks about peak experiences kind of as a way to reach self-actualization. And I view it very much as like a peak experience, and I've had similar experiences in meditation and in psychedelic experiences, it's sort of this like oneness, this, uh, you know, the full mind, body, spirit connection all aligned in a sense. And, you know, I would say that was sort of the first mystical experience. Like I felt true oneness. I felt true connection. And there was this almost like divine presence, um, you know, whether you want to call that God, whether you want to call it the universe, there's a lot of different labels that people have for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I felt like a power beyond my own individual self mm-hmm. is what I would call it. And that was sort of the first time that really opened my eyes to that and got me thinking, you know, I am living in such a limited individual perception. Yeah. So, um, and ever since then, kind of my goal is to seek that experience because i mean if i could live in that state all the time Mm -hmm. i you know it would be incredible but but of course i mean that's not what life is all about but yeah uh, right exactly i mean that life would just be pure enlightenment 24 7 yeah um but you know seeking that um you know divine connection and that divine connection is always there per se but that was the first time i had ever truly felt it and it was you know a power beyond myself is sort of what i like to call it wow wow so when you said that um it was an acupuncturist so this acupuncturist also used reiki energy combined mm-hmm. with it okay yeah it was like an acupuncture like reiki and like working with energy and at the time i really you know i was saying i didn't have sort of the terms for to understand sort of what they were doing with the energy in my body. But, you know, I'm not by any means certified in Reiki. I've, I've had Reiki sessions done and, you know, I strongly believe in the powers and the chakra systems. It's sort of like a principle of, you know, consciousness in a way. Um, but that was, that was the first time I had ever uh, experienced that. And it was like an integration of acupuncture and Reiki and sort of clearing the blockages that were in my body of my own energy and sort of allowed it to flow through. So earlier you said, um, if you could die at that moment, it would be pure bliss. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen to our consciousness once we die? You know, that's, 
That's a pretty good question. And it's something I thought about a lot. And it's something I almost always struggle to have an exact answer for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, our bodies are pure energy, right? And you know, my dad told me this once when I was like 13 or 13 or 14. And it blew my mind. Um, but he said, our bodies are energy. But what happens when the physical body dies? Where does that energy go? You know, mm-hmm. looking at the laws of physics, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So, you know, by looking at different variables within spirituality and looking at the principle of oneness, you know, we're all one human beings, the species, the earth, you know, we're all made up of the same material. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I sort of believe that, you know, and following a lot of principles of Buddhism as well, you know, we're trying to escape the cycle of reincarnation. And when you sort of reach that nirvana, you return to God and bliss and enlightenment. Um, you know, I... I don't necessarily have an exact answer, but I do sort of believe in that idea of karmic reincarnation. And when you're free yourself of all karma um, in your lifetimes, you know, you sort of return to the universal energy of perfection, whatever that may be. And, you know, it's hard for me to say one thing or another. You know, I can't discredit someone who remembers their past lives, for example. Like, I, I I, may personally not remember a thing about past lives. I can't prove past lives exist, but how, who am I to say the person over there who's telling something from a past life memory is wrong? Or even, like, near-death experiences where they sort of see the light. Like, I, I've never had that experience. I'm very much open to a bunch of different ideas, and I think there's a lot of things that we can't, the human brain can't rationalize. You know, with science in itself is very much limited in the sense that our own comprehension and rationalization is limited. And, you know, science has brought so much great technology and so much, so much positives to our life. But I think we have to be open to the idea that, you know, there is more to the reality than just in our own limited perception. And I think it's, impossible at this moment to come up with an exact uh, answer to what it is that happens when we die. But, you know, I'm very, I personally do believe in that, that energy will still exist in some form Mm -hmm. Um, just because energy can't be created or destroyed. So, you know, when I die, the physical body may decay, but my soul, my energy might, continue on in some form whether it be reincarnation whether it be just returning to the universe and you know the universe is so huge who knows where it'll end up going i don't know (laughs) exactly yeah you know it really it, it it blows my mind that some people are are so stuck in this in this reality that that they that they just see in front of them and they're not realizing how much bigger it is that we can't even comprehend it and i wish we could you know but we just can't and right and i find it to be baffling like it, it's like the whole the whole matrix um mm-hmm. the whole matrix theory like i feel like some people are still still asleep and oh definitely yeah and and it's, it's oh, sorry no no you go, you go i was gonna say and it's very it can be very difficult to sort of open the eyes of people who are sort of in that narrow mindset and you know it's sort of wanting hard facts for 
everything. And, you know, it's, or it's, it's very, I understand people wanting hard facts for everything. I understand evidence, but it, there's so much beyond our, our rationalization yeah. beyond our comprehension. And I think it was, uh, I was listening to podcasts with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he was talking about how, you know, we are, we're 2% smarter than chimpanzees. And let's say uh, our toddlers can do what an adult chimpanzee can do. Well, what if, what if there is a life form species out there that is 2% smarter than us? Mm. And maybe they can understand, just imagine what they are capable of, you know, yeah. astrophysics calculations. They might be able to figure that out after being alive for two months. And like, you know, it's, it, they may be able to understand the universe in a whole different capacity. We are unable to, and, you know, with taking like psychedelics and, you know, doing meditation, I sort of learn to embrace my limited perspective in a sense, but always seek out new perspectives and seek out new truths and sort of, you know, be open to the, you know, different ideas that exist. Cause we can't be a closed book, you know, it's, yeah. we can't limit our reality because reality is constantly changing. So um, that's something I've had to really sort of teach myself. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of people I grew up with sort of had, had a very narrow frame of mind, you could say, and that's not to knock on anybody in particular, but it's yeah. sort of what I was exposed to. And, you know, the seeking of truth, I think, is the most important thing anybody can do on an individual level. Mm-hmm. What is higher consciousness mm-hmm. than enlightenment and then inner power? What do you, okay, think? Yeah, what do you think? So... What is your take on it? Um, I mean, so with higher consciousness and enlightenment, inner power, I think they're almost all of almost the same thing in a way. But I feel like with living in higher consciousness, that is simply a stronger, authentic, like self-awareness, you know, being in touch with yourself, you know, whether that be knowing how to pursue your passions, you know, being connected to sort of the broader context of the universe in the sense that the goals the things you're doing and how you live your life is contributing to the betterment of reality whatever that may mean to you Mm -hmm. Um, i think higher consciousness and enlightenment is a very individual and personal um i guess you'd say reality in a sense because you know no two people have the same consciousness where there's 7 billion different consciousness perspectives out there. So, you know, when you're living in a higher level of consciousness, um, it's sort of many of your worries and anxiety and the anxieties that you have in the day to day. It's kind of realizing that most of those things, and that's not to knock anxiety, but most of those things don't actually matter. And, you know, I myself am someone who's my whole life. I really struggled with, social anxiety and I struggled with anxiety about situations that would come up in my life and worrying about what the future is going to hold. But when you start living in a higher state of consciousness, you sort of realize that you, a lot of those things are irrelevant to the grand scheme of things. You know, when we die at the end of our lives, how many of those things that, you know, looking back at the scope of our life, how many of those things actually mattered? I mean, you can even think about, in the past couple of weeks, what are the things you worried about and how did that situation you were worrying about actually turn out? 
So, you know, higher consciousness is sort of being content with who you are on an individual level and sort of living from a place of love, living from a place of gratitude. I think that's sort of what true enlightenment is. And, you know, living in a place of love means embracing all people, you know, whether that person has a different background from you. You know, you may not know your neighbor, but you love my neighbor simply because they are human too. They have their own human experience. So I think that's sort of, that's a very, uh, when you, when you hear higher consciousness and enlightenment, it can sort of sound like these upper echelon terms, like you're never going to reach higher consciousness or enlightenment. Like, I don't think anybody's going to truly reach true enlightenment. And there anybody who comes up to you and says, I am enlightened, like, avoid that person because they're like they're like trying to sell you some snake potions i don't know like higher consciousness is just about sort of being aware of your true feelings your true passions and trying to make good in this world because i think that's what this world needs there's so many stressors and anxieties and it's it's normal to be anxious about the state of the world but living in higher consciousness is a willingness to take action and be yourself and be the best version of yourself. That's, that's sort of what it, I found um, it all boils down to no matter how many you can read all the Buddhist texts you want. You can read all of the books on higher consciousness and enlightenment. It's all going to sort of boil down to that individualized. Um, this is me living the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay. Well, what about inner power? And I would say I would say inner power is similar in the sense that you're with inner power, um, you're sort of finding the strength within you. I mean, every single person on this planet has unique experiences, unique talents. You know, there is not a single person. You know, let's look at you and me for example. There's not a single person on the planet who has had the exact same experiences you've had, has had the exact same background. You know. Yeah. Every single you are unique in the seven billion of the people of the planet because nobody's had the same exact experiences that you have had. So everybody sort of has this unique inner power, this unique inner perspective that they bring something different to the table. And that's why I truly believe everybody has the ability to make a difference because no two people are the same. So everybody holds this unique inner power and you start to find that by living in higher states of consciousness and by being the best version of yourself, you know, seizing those worries, starting to ask deeper questions like, who am I truly? What are my morals? What is it that I'm passionate about? What is it that I want to do that can make a difference? And then, you know, how can I help other people? You know, how can I live in gratitude? All those sort of deeper level questions sort of bring out that inner power within you. And I think once you start this process of self-analysis, that's when you start to find your inner power. And it's it can be a long process. Like, it's not something that, you know, you you go to bed one night and you wake up the next morning and you do one gratitude practice and you're all of a sudden enlightened. You know, it's a continuous practice and continually learning about yourself and learning about what your passions are. I mean, I've been doing this for a few years now and I'm, I'm still trying to learn. Like, I feel like there's still so much more that I need to learn about myself in order to be the best version of myself. Yeah. You know, there's still things I struggle with on occasion. So it's, it's always like 
being willingness to do that work and, you know, have that balance and just go into it with the day-to-day mindset and know that it is a journey, but it's a journey, you know, well worth taking. And you sort of find at some point, it, it, you don't even necessarily realize it when it happens, but mm-hmm. at some point you can look back and you realize like, wow, I have found this inner power within me. Like, I mean, you can even say it for my podcast. Like I, it took me forever to get my podcast going. Mm-hmm. Like I, I procrastinated on that hard for a little while, but looking back, I really like once I was, you know, meditating regularly and really working towards it, I actually, you know, I sort of found my inner strength, my inner voice and the podcast has led me into other ventures and it's led me into other unexpected directions, which have been wonderful. So it's, you know, it's, it's just a journey. It's just a journey and you sort of find your inner power and you can sort of reflect back and look and say, wow, I'm, you know, living in a way that I feel empowered and I'm making a difference. And I think that's sort of, I think that's sort of what it's all about in terms of higher consciousness and enlightenment and inner power to mm. put it, you know, in, I guess in this, like that's sort of basic terms, you know, yeah. there's another thing that I always, I always question myself when it comes to, what is the self? Mm. To me, that is such a, a, a deep understanding. You know, um, mm. I feel most people don't, they're not really in tune to right. the self. Right. What and that's, is, the, mm-hmm. that's, that's the, the debate of every philosopher, right? I mean, Aristotle, Plato, it's all, all kind of comes back to like, what is truly the self like that's the question like what is the self what is consciousness Mm -hmm. the self is consciousness and if you look at if you were to go to like a bookstore right now you could find a thousand books on consciousness right and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm stealing another neil degrasse tyson quote because he said this in the podcast too it's because nobody knows like nobody has there is not a scientific answer to what is self or what is consciousness and that's why there's so much out there on it yeah um as opposed to like a book on gravity where you're going to find two books because it's already been scientifically proven Mm. um but with the self i mean i think again this is sort of an end i think it's an individual question we can certainly give ways to help find oneself and you know give tips on how to you know bring out the best version of yourself but it's a very very individualized question in the sense that there are seven billion different selves you know Mm -hmm. you are your own relative individual embodiment of consciousness so i think you do truly start to see your authentic self when you begin to sort of look past the layers of the conditioning that is sort of placed upon us and you know everybody has their their different layers of conditioning everybody has you know different backgrounds different traumas different you know upbringings and once we begin asking deeper questions we can sort of you know get into the heart of the matter of what is it what is it that truly makes me me and we can look past our own you know conditioning is what i would say um a good example for me myself is i was sort of raised in a a conservative household in a sense that you know not open to new ideas was very shut off from a lot of different perspectives so it's a lot for me to learn how to open up to different ideas and different perceptions and sort of realize that 
you know, we are all just people. Like I had, I remember it was, I think it was, uh, 2000, like, I don't even, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember being like, uh, in high school and I was like, I wouldn't say it's full blown Republican, but you know, not to knock on anyone who's Republican. I'm not trying to make it political, but like <laughs> I was, I was much more right wings and like conservative in my ideologies. And it was just because of the conditions that I was raised in. But once I, you know, got out into the world and I started doing this self analysis and started looking into my own moral system and my own moral compass, I was able to sort of get past the conditioning that was placed upon me. And I was able to uncover my true self. And I think the self is ultimately just, you know, who are you really? What are your passions? What is it that you'd like to do? We all have things that we, uh, you'd say, call to us. Like, we all have unique talents. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do in the world that can help other people? I think everybody wants to help in some way. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to help people. I just think most people don't know how to do it. But you can find that by learning about your authentic self, by harnessing your talents, and, you know, harnessing creativity. We all have unique ways to be creative. There's so many people who say, I'm not creative. I was one of the, so those people. And now that I've become more comfortable with my true self, mm-hmm. I would say I'm comfortable with my own creativity and I can use it to try and help others. I mean, that's sort of what I try and do with my podcast. Yeah. So I think that's sort of the self is a very much individual you know, everybody has their own individual self and no two selves are the same. Going back to that idea that, you know, no two people have the same background. Uh, you can have two very similar people, of course. But, you know, I think it's just all about finding what it is that makes you you. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, and, you know, I, I think if anyone is trying to do that and maybe doesn't know how, you know, start by doing some sort of. Uh, there's there's lots of guided meditations available, whether it be on apps or YouTube or, you know, there's a lot of gratitude journals out there where you write down your true feelings and you write down your true emotions and the things that matter to you. So I think just starting to unpack all that is really the first step in finding your true self. It's about learning about what it is that makes you you. When, when did you realize that there was more to this world than what you see in front in front of you? Um, you know, I've always been, I would say, open to the idea. Like, I, as I was saying, I, I would never have considered myself an atheist. Like, I've always sort of been agnostic in a sense. And um, I remember giving another story that my dad told me when I was a teenager. I'm starting to realize... You know, he passed away a few years ago, and I'm starting to realize he was much more spiritual than I than I ever knew at the time. But um, he he told me this story about one of his coworkers, uh, and I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time. And this story stuck with me for a long time, and I for a long time I didn't know why. But his coworker had a son who was in college, and he committed suicide. And he left a note, and the note kind of said that he couldn't imagine living in this world as it is. Like it was in this world where you go and you work a nine to five, you don't like you live in this reality that is sort of, there is no true destiny. You have no control over your life. And 
that story really stuck with me because I was very afraid of going into the world in that same way. And like, I'm going to be stuck with a job I don't like. I'm going to get married to someone I don't want to marry. Like nothing, not that there's anything wrong with marriage, but like, I, I didn't want to live the, the predetermined role that everybody is supposed to live per se. And that means, I think that's when I have always sort of looked for ways to find something that's beyond what it is that is in front of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after that Costa Rica trip, that was sort of the catalyst for me. And, you know, I started to realize, you know, our perceptions are very limited. Mm -hmm. There are powers beyond myself that I can't rationalize through my, you know, conditioned language. You know, after engaging in meditation, self-analysis, you know, various psychedelics experiences, you know, it sort of became abundantly clear to me that there had to be something beyond that. And I, I think the, you know, the society that we're living in as it's constructed, it's, it's all, it's in a sense, it's all a construct in a way, you know, we sort of just use materialism and, you know, consumerism and the acquisition of goods and, you know, even nationhood and institutionalized religion. It's all just a construct of how we organize ourselves and how we are sort of, you know, in a sense, dividing ourselves, whether it be through religion or social class. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all just constructs, but when it comes down to it, every single person on this planet is a human being. You know, there's a oneness that exists between all humans. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all brothers and sisters in this. And I think we can all so easily be connected by love and compassion. I mean, just Mm -hmm. think about like, if you go up to somebody on the street, anybody, it can be anybody anywhere and you give them an act of love and kindness, they are going to feel that like it's, it's genuine. So, and I I think that's possible between everybody, but we have just so many constructs in the way of living in that reality. Yeah. So, you know, our scope of the world is just incredibly narrow in the way that we're organizing ourselves right now. And, you know, that in itself makes me believe that there's powers, you know, greater than our individual self, whether Mm -hmm. it be that power of love and oneness, you know, I think that, itself plays into the you know embodiment of who we are it's it's what we're our nature is our nature is to love each other our nature is to be yeah um on this earth peacefully Mm -hmm. so you know that's sort of how i feel about uh just in terms of i guess to answer that question i sort of just oh there's always been that i've been looking for a way to rationalize it because I've always known that there's something more and, you know, yeah. and I've started to be able to discover what that is. I, you know, I just think the way we're organizing ourselves, you know, it, it prevents us from realizing the true power that we have when we're connected mm-hmm. as like one humanity. We seem to be in this age of mindfulness and mm-hmm. when it comes to following a lot of the, the Eastern ways of battling mental health and mm-hmm. and I find it to be really interesting because it's like we here in the West we are starting to wake up a little bit even if it's little steps but mm-hmm. just being exposed to that people are starting to 
the more exposure that's that's coming out with that people are starting to to realize that there, that there's a lot more more going on than what we can see and you know i do find that mm -hmm. beautiful you know I, I feel like we do have a we have a long ways to go because there because mm -hmm. there is there is a lot of hate and hurt and and sadness in this world um mm -hmm. but i feel like if we can if we can show more empathy uh and more love that it really can it i think it can cause a ripple effect in, in humanity um, definitely but it yeah does. i definitely i definitely agree with that yeah. and you know you kind of harnessing the power of love and using it, it you know because it's very difficult to sort of even imagine what a world that is you know the world we live in right now it's the only way humans have i mean in terms of civilization i guess and in our lifetimes and in the past thousands of years how we're organized now is really the only way we've ever been organized so it's almost impossible for us to even imagine what a world run by love would look oh like oh my gosh it would be so beautiful it's like uh, it would like that's like you know when we talk about like people say utopia that's sort of what i envision but it's it's like the utopia that the stereotype of utopia i don't even feel like is accurate like it's it's impossible to sort of even like rationally picture what it would look like in our brain but mm -hmm. i can sort of feel what it would be like like yeah. you, you, the feeling of it you know powered by love empowered by you know helping each other you know there's enough there's enough uh food to feed 10 billion people yes and enough you know, money <laughs> right there's enough goods to technically you know go around it's just sort of you know we are in an age of extreme economic inequality in terms of you know rich are getting richer poor are getting poorer you know i, I saw that in, in california that is huge huge problem that isn't necessarily talked about but it's and it's i think we need to sort of take a step back and realize you know the more people that do this you know we can sort of start to plant the seeds of this reality and i don't even know if we're going to see this world ruled by love in our lifetimes necessarily yeah. you know it, it might take hundreds of years but all we can do is work towards it you yeah. know and hope and you know we are climate change is a huge issue and we are we need to stop polluting there's so many things we need to do and work towards yeah that the only thing we can do is have hope or otherwise it'll never happen to begin with so exactly. you know that sense of optimism and hope and you know a furry world fueled by love if you're living at love on the individual level mm -hmm. that will spread to the people you are individually interacting with and the people they individually interact with will in turn also benefit and so it's sort of like a chain reaction and you know if you're spreading love it's bound to get around in a sense you know i think it's important to look outside the constructs of how we divide ourselves whether it be you know nationhood you know looking at trump building a border wall what is that going to do you're just separating people you know it's and, and you know religion war is fueled by religion mm -hmm. it's the same you guys have the same principles like if you look at the exactly. the text yes. like, it's, it's, it's all so, similar it's all connected and 
people want the separation. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. why? Yeah, and it's and it's just because I think it's just that's been you know we talked about the conditioning. That's what's sort of been conditioned. That's mm-hmm. what's they've been taught, and it's hard to look out that narrow scope of ours because it is vulnerable. It is scary to pursue you know truths it is per, it is scary to do self-analysis it takes a deep level of vulnerability and you know to look out into the world trying to live in a place of love you know there is going to be times where it is incredibly difficult and you might struggle and you know mm-hmm. in the, you know the, the first buddhist uh the first truth in buddhism is life is suffering that is the number one of the four noble truths and it's like you have to sort of but once you sort of embrace that life is suffering suffering in a sense almost ceases to exist because you embrace the suffering and use it to transcend into a place of love and compassion so you know it's just sort of about staying uh, in the moment staying you know doing the best you can because it is difficult sometimes but spreading love and being a pillar of love is ultimately what is going to change the world. Hopefully, you know, that's, at least that's what I hope for. That's what I try and do. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you believe that religion is helpful or harmful? Um, you know, I think, you know, we mentioned religion a bit in that last little conversation there. And I think religion in its institutionalized form, as we have it today, you know, there is no denying it causes division. It causes war. You know, how many people over the years have died in the name of the Lord? You know, and that the statistic, you probably can't even find a statistic. It's so many. Yeah. So I, I think in a sense, you know, institutionalized religion as we have it in modern society is more harmful than good. However, that's not to, in that, you know, if anybody, relig- keep listening if you are religious because I'm going to try and, uh, that was, I'm not trying to knock on any religions in particular. You know, I just think when religious institutions are simply our way of attempting to sort of rationalize powers greater than ourselves and God and the universe, and it's hard for us, you know, to necessarily explain it. You know, if you look at Jesus, you look at Buddha, you look at Muhammad, all three of them, no, first off, none of them actually wanted to start a religion. Mm-hmm. Like they all, they sort of all died as, well, the Buddha didn't die as a martyr, maybe necessarily Muhammad, but um, you know they didn't want to start religions. But they all had these principles of love, of oneness, of unity, yes. and that their intention wasn't to start a religion. It was to spread a message of love. It was to spread a message of unity. And so when they died, the religions got founded with the intention to continue these practices. And, you know, the Bible was written, the Quran was written. Mm-hmm. And even in the Quran, it says this is not new ideas. Like yeah. they were even acknowledging that. But when it comes to religion and, you know, it's a lot of times people take the language much too literally, yes. you know, the language of the Quran, the language of the Bible. And you have to remember that these texts are thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking the, the language of religion, and doing exactly as it says in the Bible or the Quran, you're not necessarily doing it correctly. Those are just meant to be 
you know, these, these sort of fables or there's their tales to give across a theme, give a, a message of love and unity. But oftentimes when you're living by that direct language, you know, maybe those were norms at the time, you know, being against homosexuality, maybe that was a norm 2000 years ago. But if you're still against that today, that you're not a person of faith, like you're just you're dividing people like that's literally it like yeah. the people people are too attached to the direct language and i think they lose the message yeah. of what these prophets were trying to tell us and you know people say like jesus he's the son of god like yeah i'll say jesus is the son of god but you're also the son of god i'm the son of god like we're all we all have the potential to live in this state that they were living in of yeah. love and unity and compassion. So, you know, I I think religion that if people are sticking to the ideals of love and unity and compassion and truly embracing what it means to have faith in a power greater than oneself, and I think that's great. I think we need more of that. I think that's what's going to ultimately bring us together. But we need to drop the institutionalized dividing like islam is evil like no it's not no it's not like, you know it's there's there's way too much division that comes with institutionalized religion and that's sort of why people turn to atheism you know that's why people completely disregard it because it's it's seen as a pillar of division and i i, I don't blame people for looking at it like that i just i think we need to take a step back and sort of look at what the true message of these prophets was. And then we'll see that, you know, it's, it's all the same. It's all the same ideas. It is. Now let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Our podcast is sponsored by Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC free and third party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Now let's talk about their product system. Bill, which is 50 milligrams of CBD tablet to saturate your system. Boost is 10 milligrams of CBD chewables and electrolytes to help titrate your CBD levels throughout the day. And recover, end the day with 25 milligrams of CBD chewable and magnolia to maximize your rest and recovery. That's 105 milligrams of CBD each day at an affordable price. All the products are THC-free and shipped nationwide. With three easy ways to pay, order your CBD today and become part of the Mountain Made community. Activate your lifestyle today and go like hell. With over 25 athletes, lifestyle enthusiasts, clinicians, and physicians backing them, their product lines are continuing to prove themselves as the real deal. You can find out more at www.mountainmade.life. Check them out on social media at MNTMAD, Mountain Made. All right, so let's get into the fun part. One of my favorite things to talk about is psychedelics. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so intrigued by it, um, of the healing it, it does, um, mm -hmm. just everything. But I want to know, how was your first psychedelic experience? And was mm -hmm. it with LSD, psilocybin, ketamine, mm -hmm. MDMA? Mescaline, yeah. MT. So my you know, my first psychedelic experience was with LSD. And I've been 
I've done LSD more than any other psychedelic. I've done psilocybin. I've not actually done DMT just because I have no idea where to actually find them. Okay. You know, there's there's limited <laughs> limited people <laughs> up on the in the northeast. You know, the psychedelics. But, yeah, you have to come down here to the south in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, it's fun down there. All right now, yes. I don't want to go. <laughs> but um, yeah, LSD has been uh, that was my first psychedelic and. I did. I was doing research beforehand. There was something that was drawing me to it. I wasn't necessarily sure what it was, um, and you know, I ended up just taking it like almost on a whim when I did. Because I was like, one of my buddies was like, "Hey, you want to do it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Um, and psychedelics for me, I would say, you know, they're, ex- they're first off, they're extremely powerful. I, I'm almost amazed by the different realms that we can access just through the use of you know i mean i don't i don't even want to call them drugs because they're i think they're more than that i think they're, they're medicine you know they're medicine we need to sort of change the perception on it but you know psychedelics for me really helped me sort of find myself in a way it mm-hmm. sort of aided my process of self-analysis and at first, when I started using it, it was much more in a recreational sense. And, you know, I don't view anything necessarily wrong with experimenting with it recreationally. Um, yeah. But I've, lear- I've learned for me, going into any sort of psychedelic experience, I do need to sort of go in with the intention of healing or go in with the intention of exploration. Or, you know, you can't go in, you know, we hear all the time about bad trips and things like that. And I think a lot of times that's fueled by going in with certain expectations and expecting it to play out specific ways. And the nature of them is that it's unpredictable. You can't necessarily know what it is that's going to come up, but when you're in the experience, you you sort of have to embrace it and go with the flow and allow it to play out how it's supposed to play out. And it's almost I try and use it almost, I would describe it in a ritualistic sense, like, you know, having this intention, having this purpose of exploration. And I think it brings about tremendous benefits. Now, um, I will say that I've actually, so after using psychedelics a lot, uh, I have reached this, like, we mentioned peak experience earlier, Mm -hmm. and definitely have had what I would describe as numerous peak experiences in a psychedelic state. I've also reached that same exact level of what I would describe as higher consciousness simply through meditation. Mm. Now, would I have been able to reach that without psychedelics? Like I may, while I, you know, maybe not, but through meditation, I've also been able to reach a very similar state. So you don't necessarily need to take psychedelics, but I mean, people who, if anyone is like interested in it, I would never discourage it by any means. I think it can be a useful tool in any sort of spiritual toolbox. And, you know, it's not the end all take all. Like if you take psychedelics, you're going to be enlightened. It's more about what is it, the wisdom that you gain from this psychedelic journey and how can you take that back into, you know, your regular life upon its completion? And how can you incorporate that moving forward? You know, there's always insights you gain, per se, and then it's up to you to take action on that insight. So, um, I mean, I've 
I could go on and on about psychedelics. I love psychedelics. So it's, <laughs> uh, um, I would say, you know, LSD and psilocybin are, re- those are really the only two I've gone into. I've been considering doing an ayahuasca healing oh, down nice. in South America. I have not had the chance to do it, but if I, you know, I want to make sure I have it, you know, with the shaman and in the healing setting and making sure that the conditions are right. And, um, but that's something I've been, planning on doing in the future as well whenever i sort of get the means for that Mm -hmm. um and i think psychedelics should very much be used in a healing sense Mm -hmm. and with the intention of growth and yeah you know it can it can be fun to just i guess drop acid with your buddies whatever you know whatever and you know just hang out but that's that's i don't think that's making the best use of it per se yeah Um, i mean i'd be interested what sort of and you love talking about psychedelics. What sort of have you had sort of similar experiences to that? Like, what is um, your take on the psychedelic uh, experience? Because it is sort of a taboo topic for a lot of people. Yeah, like, I don't, really I don't is. bring it up with, I don't, I, I describe myself as being out of the psychedelic closet per se. Like, I'm open about my psychedelic use. Like, uh-huh. I, I think in two days it's pl- uh, what is it, Plant Medicine Coming Out Day. Is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I had no idea. Maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll make a post in honor of that. But yeah. you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a taboo topic for a lot of people. But I, I'm interested to sort of hear your take on it as well. So yeah, when it comes to psychedelic, I am a newbie when it comes to it, and not even a newbie. So I've done a lot of research on it, but I haven't done it, actually. Oh, okay. Yes. So I actually have a um, MDMA journey coming up soon, and mine is going to be a guided journey just to heal mm-hmm. from a lot of um, traumatic experiences, PTSD, and some anxiety. Well, mm-hmm. um, a lot of anxiety. And then from there, I'm going to go to, to uh, try psilocybin. Um, mm. so I'm doing mine more of healing from trauma and, yeah, and just a deeper trauma that, that, um, into the, the subconscious and it can really bring out things that you didn't even necessarily know yeah. or just remember, you know, things that are buried within your subconscious and what, what it's done for me. I mean, I, I, and I, I know this has been true for a lot of other people. Once it, it sort of does that, it makes it easier to do in a sober state as well. Mm. Like it's, it's been easier for me to engage in self-analysis after having psychedelic experiences. You know, I've had experiences where I've really overcome like social anxiety because of psychedelic use, I would say. Wow. And did it take, did it I take still, one try or was this a few? You know what it was? It was, uh, you know, it was me going into, it was, the intention was one on one trip. And it was me. I was like, I'm going to use this and then I'm going to go dance. And it, that was my intention. And it sounds, it sounds weird, but I, I very much am like sort of shelled in terms of social situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I still have the occasional like thought, you know, it's not like the thoughts necessarily always go away. The thought of like, being socially anxious, but I'm, I mean, I'm much more able to sort of deter it now and like realize like, Oh, I'm enough. I'm fine. Yeah. But my intention was I'm going to use this and I'm just going to see what happens. And I'm just going to go to this place and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to dance. And I'm going to dance the night away. Yeah. It was like this like little dance, like special thing going on. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to, and it was the most 
amazing, liberating feeling. Yeah. Like I left that place, I, I felt so empowered. And because, you know, I've always sort of been like, I guess you could say awkward and like, no, I, well, I've, I've been well-spoken, but I've always been very nervous about speaking and mm-hmm. nervous about expression. Like, am I authentically expressing myself? I never really authentically expressed myself in the past. Yeah. And that experience allowed me to take confidence in my actions and take confidence in who I was showing to the world. Yeah. And it, that was sort of like what I wanted to unpack with that. And it was, it was very powerful to just go out and do and just realize that I'm very, I'm, you know, I'm enough. I'm great. I'm, I don't need to worry about these things. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot, I've had a lot of experiences and psychedelics that really unpack a lot of the, subconscious level um i don't want to say baggage but you know traumas and different conditioning that i had about myself Mm -hmm. and sort of it's gotten me to a place of being able to be more of my authentic self and being able to be more of who i want to be with confidence Mm -hmm. confidence is something i lacked like i didn't you know i didn't have that reassurance from particular you know, in my upbringing, like I, I lacked a lot of confidence and mm-hmm. I think, you know, certainly meditation has helped and, you know, mindfulness and all of those practices, but psychedelics was definitely a helpful tool for me. And, yeah. you know, I intend to continue using it in the future for those purposes. Like I don't necessarily feel a need to just like use it and, and almost use it in a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I used weed for a lot, you know, marijuana for a lot of years just as a coping strategy to in subconsciously using it as coping strategy, just to sort of escape the self and the present. Mm -hmm. So, and through psychedelics, it's been a very healing uh, process. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I think you'll going in, I think you have a, you know, from my perspective, I think you have a very, strong intention and i think that it'll it's impossible to predict exactly what it'll what will happen Mm -hmm. you know during but i think going in with that intention um can't necessarily say how it'll be resolved but you'll find some clarity is what i would say Mm -hmm. clarity and truth and you know wisdom to help um you know what it is that you want to uh, what direction you're looking in so uh, back in June, I had a lot of health things come up and, you know, I started getting panic attacks and basically my mm-hmm. whole world was rocked. Um, and I've, I've been on this journey of, you know, um, of healing uh, just naturally, you know, through meditation. You know, I do a lot of meditation at the Buddhist uh, monastery that's down the street from me. I even have become uh, a, a, a pranic healer. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I work with energy, uh, just everything. Now, like, I feel like for 29 years, I was asleep. And mm-hmm. now I see the world completely differently. And I think it's the... I think it's such a good way to start my 30th year. So I turned 30 this past November. Um, mm. And it's, I don't even recognize 
who I was a year ago. You know, I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I was in a trance, and you know, this this new this new feeling that I have it's it's a little scary because I feel that. I'm just questioning things so deeply and, you know, I want to find the answers to everything and realizing mm-hmm. that I'm not going to get the answers to everything and, and, and just realizing that how much I was, I was living in internally and mm-hmm. not really expressing who the self is. Um, and still to this day, I, I struggle with that, you know, um, certain situations I, I close myself off to, I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do that or you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's something in me that is is being held by chains still. So this is why I'm searching for. I'm I'm, I'm searching, and I feel that mm-hmm. you know psychedelics w- will help me. But the person who who is guiding me, who's gonna be who's gonna be uh, what do you call it a, a sitter, he uh, he recommended that I do MDMA first because so I can heal from that trauma Mm. and heal from that extreme anxiety and then Mm. from there that's when i will go to psilocybin Um, that makes sense yeah i I have no personal experience with mdma so i can't speak to it but um you know if he's used it i definitely trust that sort of uh, setting and intention and you know it is sort of a even even myself like i had someone call me I think it was like a guru like a couple months ago and i was like oh boy you do not even know like there's still you know it's it's just such a forever journey in a sense and like the truth is in the questioning itself almost not even in the answers so it's it's one of those things that you know you see deeper questions are sort of traditional viewpoints on things they sort of just start to cease to exist you know and it's about breaking down the layers of the conditioning and then just being open to what life brings us. And it's, it is a forever journey. You know, I struggle sometimes too with some of my old habits and what it is, is I found sometimes a lot of the impulses or impulses to feel a specific way, even Mm -hmm. they don't even necessarily go away. The impulses are almost still there, but it's sort of about catching it and being self-reflective in the moment. Of being like, I have a choice here to feel this way, how the old self would feel, or to seek a method in which is preventative, and I won't feel this way, and I'll be my authentic self. So, um, you know, and that's it's it's that's all sort of part of the journey. And psychedelics yeah. are definitely, are definitely a tool to help unlock that. I mean, they've definitely aided me in my journey to become who I am, and you know. I, they'll play a role in the future. What sort of role? I, I don't necessarily know. It's an impossible thing to predict, I suppose. But you know, it's they're a great healing tool, and I I, I think I think you'll benefit the, from them. And I think anybody with the right intention can benefit from them. Like I, I felt this from experience. I know that, and uh, it's it's just such a beautiful beautiful tool that can be harnessed do you feel that mixing cannabis and or psychedelics uh, with meditation can enhance your meditative state so i've so i have done meditation on lsd okay and it was a very powerful experience i will say and Mm -hmm. you know however i would say that 
and I've used cannabis too as well for with meditation. And again, very powerful experience. I think it can put you, um, you know, a lot of times with meditation, things people might struggle with meditation is having over anxious thoughts or, you know, having trouble staying in the moment. They can't mind. Yeah. The monkey mind. It's all about taming the monkey mind. Exactly. And I will say that doing it under LSD in particular actually has helped me learn uh, to sort of tame the monkey mind in a way. I mean, obviously, even now when I meditate, I still have thoughts that come up, but I'm much better at being self-aware of them and being in the moment. However, um, you know, I've also reached meditative states sober, like that are just as powerful as some of my meditative psychedelic states. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, you can reach, you know, in like, uh, almost at a loss for words of it, but higher, just higher levels of consciousness within meditation that are just as that's at the same realm as psychedelics and my my podcast the fifth dimension that's sort of you know i i call that you know that's like the fifth that dimensional name. plane yeah yeah that's sort of that's like so the cool. fifth dimensional uh the fifth dimensional like plane of you know trying to live outside of a closed 3d reality mm-hmm. into a more fifth dimensional plane and you can reach it psychedelics and in, in, uh, cannabis they they can be tools it's, it's sort of about knowing yourself like if you let's say you smoke weed all the time right mm-hmm. and you know it it can put you in a, a mindset where maybe you can sit down and really meditate and focus then yeah that's you, you should do it you should use it but there's also times where you know sometimes cannabis for people it also makes you really anxious so maybe it wouldn't be best to meditate under those circumstances i think it all comes down to knowing yourself with the uh substances i would say start by start meditating try it sober first if you've never done it you know learn how it is that you react to meditation uh just in your your regular everyday mindset and then go from there and try and incorporate it in different ways Um, that's what i would recommend to people but you know you can you can meditate under any any psychedelic under cannabis and you can get good results so well what is the most valuable life-changing thing that you've learned from an altered state of mind um you know i would say it's the most valuable thing would be finding my full authentic self you know realizing that i am enough you know i don't need to get so caught up in the monkey mind in my own head i don't need to you know, have these anxieties that are really just conditioned into me. Like my anxieties and social anxiety, it's not real. It's the only way it's real is if I make it real, I manifest it myself because I turn the situation into something I was worrying about. Yeah. And, you know, they, they really showed me what it is that truly matters in the, in life, you know? And for me, that is helping others. That is, detaching from the material realm you could say you know it's sort of just distraction you know i don't need to have a new car to be happy like i'm happy with who i am like that's good enough for me and i think that's what um you know through meditation and through psychedelic use has definitely helped me 
discover. Because I got mm-hmm. sick, I had to find a lot of ways to hack my biology. I had one doctor tell me that uh, um, Chinese medicine was uh, woo-woo. <laughs> oh, okay, of course. You know, yeah, and just, just all this crazy stuff. So it made me lose a lot of um, trust And when it comes to conventional medicine. Not saying that all, you know, uh, conventional it doctors are this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right. But so I did started a lot of biohacking thing. I, d- I did infrared saunas, uh, sensory deprivation tanks, which is mm. freaking amazing. I've been wanting to do those for oh, a while. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. So amazing. Um, I've done hyperbaric oxygen chambers where I'm just in this, uh, it looks like a little cylinder um, cylinder tent and they zip you in there and they just expose you to 100% of um, oxygen and you know i i do i do things like i have uh i learned this actually from uh dave asprey uh okay yeah biohacking um blue blocking glasses so i usually do that about two hours before bed and it helps helps calm my system and then helps helps me get in more of a relaxed state of mind Mm. and it makes me tired um right yeah so and i do things like i you know i take magnesium before bed and uh-huh. Just all these, all these different things that you can think of, um, and they've definitely helped me in so many ways. But I wanted to know: Do you do any biohacking things? Do you have any hacks or gadgets that you use, or anything uh-huh. you do besides uh, meditation? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I really, I really actually have the intention of using sensory deprivation. I've been reading a lot about that, and it just sounds like just what I need. Um, you know, and with biohacking, I don't think I even necessarily like knew the term per se, what it was even like a year ago or so. And I kind of learned, first heard about it from Tony Robbins and I'm a big fan, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and, you know, I was sort of looking into what biohacking was and I sort of did this in a way, like, I think my biohacking technique and it's, it's pretty simple. Um, and it's sort of applies to the rest of my life and sort of um it's created other biohacking techniques off of it is sort of growing an abundance mindset and sort of trying to change my mindset in a sense to live in gratitude and have an abundance mindset so you know biohacking for me is it's you know simple definition for me it's sort of about changing your chemistry right and sort of changing your your body in a way to energize and enhance yourself. You know, that's sort of what I view it in a sense. And, you know, with an abundance mindset and a growth mindset, it's sort of refocusing the brain to see the positive and make the positive second nature. So I'm going through the world and I'm looking for positivity as opposed to getting caught up in things with negativity. And, you know, I've done that through, living in gratitude, you know, gratitude journals, you know, journaling my emotions, you know, meditating. And it's sort of all about adapting a mindset of growth. And for me, that has sort of allowed me to take control of other areas of my life as well. Mm -hmm. And that comes with diet. Like I'm very, 
you know, I'll, I'll cheat and eat like a blueberry muffin once in a while, but I'm very strict on my diet. Mm-hmm. I saw blueberry muffins sitting on my counter. That's why I said that. But, you know, I'm very strict on what foods do I put into my body that is going to make me feel energized mm-hmm. and enhanced. Am I taking the right supplements? I exercise. It's very, very difficult for me to take a rest day from the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, I struggle, like, on off days, I struggle to not go in because I want to physically make my body stronger. I'm all about a growth mindset. And, you know, and with meditation, you know, staying disciplined with my work and podcasting, you know, I started writing a book. Like I have all these same ways that I'm trying to grow. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of been through the, you know, rewiring my brain because I was sort of raised in an environment of not, not a growth mindset. You know, I was, there was a lot of negativity around me and I sort of had to, uh, you know, change the chemistry of what it is that I look for in the day to day and sort of, it all starts with positivity and having that growth mindset and wanting to improve all areas of my life. So, you know, now that I sort of have a routine in that, like with my own body, I am looking into things like sensory deprivation and, you know, I, I love, I've never been in infrared sauna. I've been in the regular sauna. I love using that. But, um, you know, I'm sort of looking for other, like, ways that I can, you know, I guess enhance that uh, portion, you know, kind of get more into biohacking. Yeah. So the first step of it for me was sort of about uh, changing my brain chemistry, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any books you would recommend to anyone wanting to learn more about consciousness, mysticism, psychedelics, um, and meditation? Yeah, I mean, I would say start with to start with like meditation or mindfulness. You could anything by Thich Nhat. Um, I don't know if you know Thich Nhat or not, but he was he's a Buddhist. Uh, but yeah, he's anything by him is going to be great mm-hmm. to get you to sort of introduce mindfulness into the everyday life that's why i really like him like he talks about mindful eating mindful you know exercise just all of these different things that we can do in the day to day to be more mindful Mm -hmm. and you know live in a more meditative state um in terms of psychedelics a couple books on that be here now by ram das absolute classic like that is basically he did yeah Yeah. oh man and yeah that was actually that was a a sad night. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and, but he, that's sort of like the counterculture Bible, you know, that's, that is, that outlines what it means to truly be here now in this moment. And it's done in such a way of just pure beauty and perfection. I actually read that book on psychedelics once and it was just unbelievable. Um, but I would definitely recommend that. And for anyone who's interested in like experimenting with psychedelics, there's this book called the psychedelic experience by Timothy Leary. And it actually, yeah. And it's a, it's a good guide to sort of, um, you know, how to set right intentions and go into it with the right mindset and like sort of all of these precautionary measures, but like how to do it. You know, in the correct manner. So, you know, I, I, Ram Dass, Timothy Leary, those are sort of like psychedelic gurus, you could say. And, mm-hmm. you know, anything by them is going to be, uh, you know, amazing. So, uh, that, those, I would say, but on the meditation mindfulness side, take Nahant, read some of his stuff if you want to learn. Um, 
how do you incorporate mindfulness into the everyday life? And I would also recommend, you know, there are great uh, journal, guided journals on mindfulness. And, you know, I have one myself right now. It's called The Power of Now Journal by Eckhart Tolle. And it's, you know, it gives you a passage and you reflect on that passage. And it's, it's just a great way to sort of... Um, bring out how you're going to feel. And, you know, I, I think there's sort of a stigma around journaling, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure why, but, you know, journaling is such an empowering, empowering way, and there's so many guys ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's definitely times where I've been in and out in terms of journaling, like, a, you know, I might get lazy, not do it for a week or two, but, you know, I've been pretty consistent lately of doing it every day, and it really is like an enhancement to the practice you know there's some sort of stigma around it like people are lazy i don't don't know but with journaling you can really bring out sort of your true emotions your feelings and sort of be in the moment with yourself and writing it on a piece of paper sometimes you know there's certainly vulnerability within that but it's you know it's easier than talking about it per se you know that can be even more difficult talking with another person about these vulnerabilities but um, i think journaling is an underrated tool and there's a lot of great guided journals to sort of help get into the flow of journaling you know you don't need to just take a blank piece of paper and then sort of just write on it that's i don't even necessarily view that as what true journaling is it's sort of there's a lot of great guided journals out there to sort of help in this process so i'd recommend you know you can go to barnes and noble and there are maybe not hundreds, but there's, there's a lot of different options to choose from. Mm. So, okay. Well, I want to end with this question um, that I like to ask. <clears throat> what is one thing that you will, you would like to change about this world? You know, in terms of changing about this world, I would say our, what is our emphasis? You know, we emphasize as a society commodification we emphasize material acquisition we emphasize consumerism and we that is what is sort of causing so many of the issues in the world today so what i would change about that is who cares about those things let's focus on our connection to other human beings let's focus on following our hearts and our passions and what it is that we can bring to create a better society. Let's forget about our differences and embrace our uniqueness as individuals and embrace the fact that we're all on this planet together and sort of work to the betterment of humanity and use the technology and the technology we're going to continue to create to even further enhance the human species. You know, I mean, that's sort of what, evolution is all about in a sense it's about Mm -hmm. growth of the species and i think we have the tools to really one take care of everybody and two just continue to explore and learn more about ourselves and you know we do we have so many silly constructs we just divide ourselves with and we emphasize material wealth and making money and not caring about other individuals and i think that's really detrimental to our mental health it's detrimental to society and it's detrimental to the planet and that's really starting to show and if we don't 
change our emphasis on what it is that we as humans prioritize, then we're never, well, then it's going to be too late in a sense. And I, I hate to say that, but, you know, I do have optimism in the sense that all it takes is one person to change the mind of another and it's a chain reaction and positivity spreads, you know, love is, you know, you can look into someone's eyes who is a genuine loving being. You can see that love and feel that love and it's contagious. And so I, I have, I have optimism in that sense that we can create a world for the better. And that's sort of, you know, what I hope to do with my podcast. That's what I try and do in my day to day interactions. And it's, you know, if I can change my individual emphasis, so can others. And then that, the more people who do that, um, you know, it can create a better society. So that's, that's what I would change about the world. You know, I think we need to shift our focus onto one of more love and compassion as opposed to material acquisition and consumption. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Evan, tell the listeners where they can find you. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you can find my podcast. Fifth, it's the Fifth Dimension, a mindfulness podcast. Uh, if you type the Fifth Dimension, it should be there. Um, it's not the Twilight Zone one, um, <laughs> but uh, you can find that on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, it's got an Instagram. It's at the Fifth Dimension Podcast. I mean, you can always find me too at Evan McDermott. Then um, there's there's all the social medias, you know, Twitter at the Five Deep Podcast. Uh, you know, just there's TikTok too. Like I'm trying to reach the younger generation. Oh, that's a big still, thing now. <laughs> oh yeah, TikTok is huge. TikTok is huge. I'm you know, still trying to understand it. <laughs> it. I I don't understand. Like, I'm still I'm still learning too, and I've had it for a couple of months. Like I don't thing is I don't know what to post on there. Like it's not I don't know. But you you can find me on there. So you know if you want to interact on there and um, yeah, I'm always open to sort of. You know, my podcast isn't huge by any means, so anyone who wants to check it out and send me a message about it, like I'll I'll see it, I'll respond. Like, yeah. look, you know, I'm I'm always open to suggestions, feedback. And it's really good. You guys definitely check it out. Oh, and I, I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I, I I'm going to say this on the record on your podcast. Now I'm I'm ready to have you on mine. I don't know if you want to <laughs> wait until like whenever you're ready, but. You can come on my podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I would would love to have you back on. Um, Thank you so much. I've learned so much from you and I feel like I have more to learn from you. Um, Just you. Yeah. You uh, sharing your experiences and you definitely know your stuff. And I appreciate just your, your, your insight and with you being authentic and, and raw um we like that here on on the black bio hacker um, oh, of course yeah i'm i'm really I'm, i really appreciate the kind words and you know it's this is you know a real these subjects are a real passion line so anytime i can you know hopefully you know if one person listens to this and decides to it feels empowered and you know does something for the better for themselves i, I feel like it's successful so it's you know, I'm happy to come back on anytime. I love, I, I live it, live it down for this stuff. It's, 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 uh, you know, yeah. it's what makes my life. I love it. Yes, yeah, awesome, awesome. 
Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Black Biohacker. We'll catch you soon. Wow.